five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing on this Combine Tuesday is what we'll call it? Uh, I love Combine Tuesday. I mean, I'm I'm such a nerd over this stuff that uh, I got up earlier than normal just simply to flip on Good Morning Football on NFL Network. And I've had it on every second. I've watched it almost like it's a game day and uh, I'm going to keep it up all the way through Sunday. Yeah, I mostly start paying attention once it gets to the on-field stuff and the, the the check-ins, the weigh-ins and all that. I probably should go ahead and have it on now, though, because right now they're, they're talking about all the prospects. It's all the, you know, what they're expecting. And, you know, I think that, that would be valuable to just check in and see, you know, what, what certain people are thinking about certain guys. But it's certainly going to be a very interesting week. And that's mainly because there's 13 Alabama players who are going to be there. I mean, that, that's quite a bit. And it's really across the board. I mean, you got a quarterback, you got a running back, you got a tight end, so you got a pass catcher, you got some offensive linemen, some defensive linemen, edge rusher, off-ball linebacker, and then defensive backs. I mean, you're Will Reichard away, you know, sticking to his original decision from uh, pretty much having all your bases covered. But it, it, it's a pretty special group. I mean, I, I understand that it didn't win a national championship and it didn't make the college football playoff. But Jimmy, there's some good players in here. Oh, oh, no, no, no doubt. I mean, and the fact that Alabama has more players than any other school at the combine, uh, more than Georgia, more than Ohio State, it sort of backs up. I, I know it's 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 a real controversial thing to say to non-Alabama fans, Clint. But this is just how I feel about the college football season that that just played out uh, this past year. I think when you look at all of the games, game one through game 13 for Alabama and, and other teams played 15. If you if you look at all the games and all the teams and evaluate every team, I think Alabama was the second best team. I do. I, I, I think, and I know they lost to Tennessee. I know they lost to LSU. I know a team that lost twice maybe doesn't deserve that level of compliment, but that's just how I feel. I, I think Alabama it's the second best team, and I'll also accept third best. You know, Ohio State is definitely up there. And frankly, I don't think much separates Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama this past season. What the true separator was, and I'll die on this hill, is Georgia and Ohio State did not have to play games at Knoxville and at Baton Rouge, and Alabama did. And uh, that's why Alabama wasn't in the playoff, and they were. That's, that's how I feel. Yeah, and I, I'm sure a lot of people would agree with you. I mean, there was just, you know, strength of schedule matters. Uh, Alabama had some tough games. It's Alabama. You're going to have an extra target on your back. That's something that not even Georgia has fully earned yet. I understand that, don't get me wrong, anybody wants, and, and everybody wants to knock off Georgia, but I don't think it's the same as Alabama. Alabama is still the premier brand in college football they're, they've because they've done it for so long. It's like they're still considered king, even though you can even argue Georgia has the better program right now. But if you were to ask people, hey, would you rather beat Alabama or would you rather beat Georgia? I would say nine out of ten people are picking Alabama still. And, and so that definitely you got to take that into consideration as well. But, you know, you know, like I said, there, there's some very good players in this class. You know, last year only Jameson Williams and Evan Neal were your two first-round draft picks. Several guys went on day two, Christian Harris and John Mechie and – you know, Fedarian Mathis and Brian Robinson Jr. But this year, 
you know, you've got three, potentially four first round draft picks with Bryce Young, Will Anderson Jr. I think, you know, that they're definitely first round locks. They're top 10 locks, in my opinion. Brian Branch, I, I would say he's pretty much a shoe in to go in the first round. I would be absolutely floored if he didn't because he can do so right. much for your defense. He's not a traditional, you know, I think he can play traditional safety, but he can do and be so much more than that for your defense. I think he's pretty much a first round lock. And then you got Jameer Gibbs and you know, the, the, the running back value has diminished over the years, but it's still viewed very favorably as far as what it can do for your offense. And there are certain running backs who are able to go in the first round. I think B. John Robinson is going to be the first running back off the board, but if there's a second that can find its way into this, into the first round, I think Jameer Gibbs has as good of a case as anybody. And then you've got a bunch of, you know, day two guys, you know, Jordan battle, Byron Young, you know, Henry Toto could end up being one of those guys. So, like I said, there's just a lot of, of very talented players in this Alabama group. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it'll be evenly spread out by that. I mean, I, I think it'll be fun for Alabama fans because you've got players going on day one, like you said, the three locks, maybe Gibbs. But uh, even if Gibbs doesn't go day one, he'll, he'll go day two along with some other Alabama players. And then you'll have Alabama players go on day three. I mean, uh, DJ Dale. Uh, for instance, being a good good example of that, there's others. Emil Echior, I think day three. Uh, if Helms goes, it's day three. So uh, oh, I, it, it, it it'll be fun. Steen Steen day two or day three. Steen had such a great senior bowl, may have played his way into day two. Uh, I, you know, I I think it'll be fun for Alabama fans because there there's something every day. Uh, it's not like well day one's over, so all our guys are gone, or we're not getting anybody drafted in the first round, so all our fun will be Friday and, and, and Saturday. That won't be the case. Uh, for Alabama fans, uh, it'll be all three days, and we'll see. Uh, Alabama's got the most guys at the combine. Let's see if Alabama has the most players drafted. And uh, one final point, you know, it's just different opinions, and, and, and some of it's based on how the, the season played out. But I've seen Alabama fans repeatedly say that this past team wasn't as talented as other Alabama teams. I think, you know, you can nitpick and you can go through the 22 spots and depth and and make this argument or that argument, but I, I don't really think the talent level dipped. May, 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 if, if so, maybe slightly, but the fact of the matter is if Alabama gets 12 or 13 guys drafted, it's kind of hard to argue Alabama had a talent problem. Uh, they didn't. Uh, I, I think the problem was just simply – uh, the timing of when you played teams and the fact that you played uh, top 10 teams on the road. Uh, and, and that's ultimately what, what cost a Alabama, uh, a, a, you know, a playoff spot. Yeah. I think pressure played a lot into it as well. I mean, you know, earlier in the season, we, we heard, you know, Nick Saban talk about some of the issues with, with anxiety and, and Will Anderson talked about it and, I think that was a huge problem. I think the pressure of being Alabama got to this Alabama team more than any of the others. But I don't really think it's the talent issue because especially going into the year, tell me where the talent, there was like a glaring hole. You know, we had some question marks about the wide receivers, but let's not act like there wasn't talent. There was top 100 prospects all over the place. And you were adding, you know, Jermaine Burton, who was one of the top transfer portal receivers. You were adding, uh, you know, Tyler Harrell, who was supposed to bring a, a vertical element to your offense. Um, you know, you, you bring in Jameer Gibbs with your running backs. You lose Brian Robinson, but you add Gibbs, who's one of the most playmaking, you know, running backs in the entire country. You've got the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. You've got, you know, the best defensive player in college football. The secondary is loaded because you had Jordan Battle and DeMarco Hellams choose to return. You've got those two guys. You've got, you know, Brian Branch. You've got an, a more veteran 
more seasoned Kool-Aid McKinstry. You bring in Eli Ricks to shore up the other spot, or so you thought. Uh, Henry Toto, returning guy. I mean, defensive line had some question marks, but I don't think anybody questioned you know, that it wasn't going to be good, certainly good enough to win a championship when you get all the other stuff. Like, I wouldn't say it was a weakness. So it's like you really start breaking it down position by position, and uh, th- there wasn't really a, a weakness. It-, it was just you didn't get the most out of that group. Some of that falls in the players uh, for having or, or adopting the wrong uh, mentality in-, in some ways, and I think some of it falls on coaching and coordinators and, and position coaches. And, you know, I think Nick Saban's trying to write that ship, you know, right now as we speak. Yeah, I think Alabama gets compared to to Alabama by the national media, by fans across the country, and even by Alabama fans. I think when Alabama, I think if you ask, hey, what what wasn't talented? You know, where was there a talent dip? And you ask Alabama fans, they're going to say things like wide receiver and defensive line. That's what they're going to say. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that that's that's true when you compare it to previous Alabama teams. I mean, the wide receiver crew wasn't as good as, as the past few years. Defensive line uh, doesn't have a Q Williams uh, or a Marcel Darius like they did at one time. Um, so compared to other Alabama teams, maybe so. But the only teams we need to compare them to talent-wise is the competition. And as I point out all the time, uh, you know, those two positions, Alabama's in as good a shape as almost anyone, maybe not number one, maybe Alabama didn't have. Ohio State's wide receiver room. Maybe Alabama didn't have Clemson's defensive line room. But in terms of where you are compared to all of college football, Alabama was in a really good spot at wide receiver and defensive line, even the offensive line. And, uh, you know, Alabama's about to have two players uh, drafted uh, into the NFL off the offensive line. And believe it or not, that's not standard uh, a lot of good teams will have two or even three offensive linemen drafted. But just the fact that you got two guys drafted and maybe your most talented two coming back in J.C. Latham and Tyler Booker uh, shows that Alabama, uh, while, again, compared to previous Alabama teams that might seem lacking, but but that's irrelevant. For Alabama to win the national championship, they don't need to beat a previous Alabama team. They just need to beat everyone that's on their schedule that particular year. They didn't. They uh, they, they lost two games, uh, again, on the road to top 10 teams by one play. Uh, and, and let's see if Alabama improves. I, I still think the talent level is going to be high at every position compared to the competition, compared to previous Alabama teams, maybe not in some spots. What was the final score of the national championship? Do you remember? Uh, off the top, I, I don't remember, but off the top of my head, I would tell you it was something like, uh, was it something like 49 to seven or something? <laughs> it was, I know that Georgia broke into the sixties. Yeah. 62 to maybe it yeah. was a 62. I just remember say that. If, if TCU scored like just seven or did they get 10 or did they get 13 or 14? It was somewhere between seven and 14, if I'm not mistaken. I've never not watched the second half of a national championship game. I, I honestly didn't watch a lot of the second half. I forgot what I had going on, but <laughs> I, I mean, I can't. If you just sat there and said, Jimmy, can you imagine not watching every minute of the national championship game? I'm like, I've watched every minute of every national championship game ever. And I literally watched something else in the second half. I didn't want to. The second half was just Georgia's national championship parade. Yeah. I mean, and. It was like a, a 50 point victory, regardless, uh, yep. margin of victory. Georgia had problems at wide receiver. They yep. weren't dynamic there. 
Uh, Georgia had a great defensive line. They didn't have a lot of good exterior pass rushers. You know, Nolan Smith got hurt. Uh, Adam Anderson last year was suspended. You know, that they weren't dynamic there. They had good players, kind of like the way that you would describe Alabama's defensive line. They had good players. They didn't have any elite players or great players. So they won a national championship by 50-plus points despite those issues. And that's kind of even your best teams in college football. Like, you get the rare ones. You know, I think LSU in 2019 had some problems defensively. I think they got a lot of that stuff right, enough to where it could complement one of the best offenses in college football history and win them a championship. But I wouldn't say they were elite across the board on defense. Every national championship winning team is going to have things that are like, what you really want to do is you don't want to have that glaring weakness that a, that an opposing team can attack you on a week-in, week-out basis. And then in 2021, that was the offensive line. For Alabama like that's one thing that you could bank on and say we're going to be able to put pressure we don't even have to have great pass rushers we should be able to put pressure on Bryce Young and at least do some things on that front this past year I wouldn't say that there was anything that you looked at now the wide receiver struggled to get open downfield you could talk about scheme you could talk about you know lack of development you could talk about lack of talent the bottom line is is that was kind of an issue but outside of that there was nothing that you really saw where you would say this is where we're going to be able to get Alabama anywhere and so that's that should be good enough to win a national title, and they didn't do it. So, you know, I think that that's pretty important to note. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about at least one of these questions. We'll try to get to it. Depends on how long you and I ramble. We tend to do that quite a bit. And I'm trying to decide which one because there were so many good ones. And, you know, last week we ended up having to cut things short a little bit, wasn't able to get back on together, so we had to cut that one short. But um, you know what? We'll start off with this. Bama Lou. I get the theory that a more physical offense will lead to a more physical defense, assuming similar players and schemes. But will there be a letdown in the secondary without having to defend Bryce Young and his arm in practice? That's an interesting question. I mean, I, I love the fact that that question's interesting. Um, I say, I think the letdown in the secondary isn't going to be related to not defending Bryce's great throws. Uh, first of all, um, while I'm not ready to put any of them in the first round, I mean, you can take Milrow out as some of the critics will, but Ty's going to make a lot of good throws in practice, and so is Eli Holstein and Dylan Lonergan, to say nothing to Milrow. Uh, I, I, I don't think that'll be – I think if Alabama's secondary has a problem, it's just that they lost so many experienced players and good players. I mean, Branch is a first-round pick. Uh, you can't just – it's not replacing a first – even if you're replacing a first-round pick with a future first-round pick, you just lost an NFL-ready for – there's a difference between an NFL-ready first-round pick like Brian Branch and a true freshman. Let's say one day Des Ricks is a first-round pick. Well, if you replace Brian Branch with Des Ricks, it's still a step back because Ricks isn't ready. He doesn't know – the scheme and have that experience of playing college football. So I think Alabama's loss of Brian Branch, a first round pick, Jordan Battle, a day two pick, DeMarco Hellams, people may say, oh, well, you know, we're probably going to put a more talented player out there. But how about a player that gets invited to the senior bowl, that gets invited to the NFL combine and was a three year starter at Alabama in various roles? So losing him, you've just lost a wealth of experience. You lost Eli Ricks who, you know, it was kind of like, hey, we, we, you know, we hardly knew you when you walked out the door, but you're still talking about a guy that I think Clint and I both believe is a first-round talent. 
uh, that you lost. So I think losing all those guys and their wealth of experience is what's going to possibly have the secondary taking a step back, uh, not so much that they're not getting to practice against a premier NFL-ready quarterback. Uh, I completely agree, and that's exactly what I said in the in the mailbag, pretty much right there. I think that if you see a step back, I think it's more of a result of the players who were lost because you're talking about two safeties who never came off the field. Alabama does not rotate its safeties very often. They bring more defensive backs onto the field in certain packages. You know, your star, your money, but they don't really take their safeties off. They're going to play close to 100% of the snaps. I would say, you know, by the end of the season, both safeties are going to be sitting north of, of 93 to 95% of the snaps played. Uh, and, and a lot of the, the percentage where they're off the field is late in games. So, you know, you're losing both of those two guys, guys that chose to come back for their senior season. You're losing Brian Branch, like you mentioned, who I thought was just a, a phenomenal player. And I'll continue to reiterate, I feel like Will Anderson was the best player in Alabama's defense. I feel like Brian Branch played like the best defender on Alabama's defense. And, and losing that guy at such a key spot and what he provides there, you know, he, he kind of gave what Minka Fitzpatrick gave at the star position in the sense that everything that Nick Saban wants that position to be, whether it be stop the run, you know, come up and make plays and be a, a stout run defender off the edge, being able to blitz effectively and, and add pressure where you can zone blitz. I know a lot of fans don't like it. I'm not a huge fan of it either, but that's where you're dropping your outside linebackers is when you're zone blitzing, whether you're off-ball linebacker, your safety, or excuse me, your your star. You know, so you've got that, and and then you've also got the ability in man and zone coverage. So, you know, the good player there, you're talking about Eli Ricks, you're talking about Kyrie Jackson, two of your, your guys there at corner. I understand they're technically getting back the guy, the two guys who played the most snaps at corner. But there was a reason that, that Tyrion Arnold ended up getting replaced because Eli Ricks was a better option. And so now you got to go back to Tyrion Arnold. Certainly think he could continue to improve, but you've got that. So I, I think that's more of the product. I mean, with Bryce Young as the starter and with Alabama's offense, where you know it's been the last couple of years, and when Bryce Young in 2020, when he was a, a scout team quarterback, was the pass defense just elite? You know, the elite of the elite? No, it was In fact, this past year it was number 17 in the country. That's solid. You had a ton of experience and a ton of depth and talent. Before that, they were ranked number 50 in 2021 and number 70 in 2020 when he was the scout team quarterback going against the starting defense. So I don't think that's really uh, you know too much of a, an indicator at all. I don't think it's going to be much of a problem. As far as the next question, Justin Jefferson, Jahad Campbell, and the Georgia transfer, Tresman Marshall, who gets the other inside linebacker spot next to Deontay Lawson? And if it's not Campbell, does he take a shot in the transfer portal? That comes from Major Wood, 482. Well, Major, uh, we don't know. <laughs> that's that's really tough because the competition, and I just talked about this yesterday on the Talk Champions message board, is you know I'm doing this roster ranking, and I felt almost in the entire roster, Clint, the hardest guys to rank in terms of you know best player on the team to, to worst, almost the hardest players to rank were three young inside linebackers in what order to put Sean Murphy, Kendrick Blackshire, and Jihad Campbell. I mean, in what order do you rank those guys based on what we've seen so far in their career? That was very difficult. And 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 to be honest, some of that's coming out today, but but really I ranked them all in a row. I mean, they're all inside linebackers and they're all 36, 37, 38, you know, uh, on the whole roster. Just really hard to uh, separate those guys. This is my guess as we sit here today prior to even spring practice. I think Deontay Lawson will have the mic spot uh, because he knows the defense the best and he's kind of a leader out there and he's going to be, you know, making the line calls. Uh, 
I think the other spot is going to be primarily early Trez Marshall. Uh, he will make a quick transition exactly as Henry Toho Toho did because Trez is coming from the same defense. There might be a little bit different terminology, might be a little bit different way of doing things, but Georgia runs Saban's defense just like Tennessee ran Saban's defense. So Trez Marshall will pick up things very fast, and he is an experienced senior who's been around. Uh, I think day one, or at least I should say day one of fall camp, uh, Trez Marshall will be lined up next to Deontay. Now, I do, in terms of the types of projections that Coach Saban really hates, I'm going to guess that Justin Jefferson eats into Trez's snaps uh, maybe a little bit early and a lot later, and they ends up looking like this previous season where Moody was sort of the starter alongside Henry and due to injury and just Deontay Lawson being a more athletic, talented kid, Deontay Lawson, while he was healthy, uh, basically ate into eventually taking Moody's job until Lawson got hurt and Moody had to play again. And then Moody got hurt in typical Alabama fashion. So, but but I, I think it'll look like last year with Trez playing the role of Moody and Justin Jefferson playing the role of Deontay Lawson in the 2022 season. And, and it'll be some sort of shared responsibility. And I know I just left Blackshire out. I left Campbell out. I left Sean Murphy out. Alabama doesn't really sub at that spot. They do platoon. And I think there will be a platoon situation like I, I spelled out as to whether any of those three kids will enter the transfer portal. I hope not for Alabama's sake, because just because they're not starting and they're not ready to beat out a senior like Trez and an older Juco player like Justin, uh, that doesn't mean that they won't be really good or even great players eventually. So I hope none of them leave. But in this day and age, Clint, welcome to the transfer portal era. It would, it, it certainly can't be a shock. You can't even be surprised when it happens. So maybe they leave. I hope not. Yeah. Once again, uh, you know, we've talked about this, you know, a ton. So uh, I'm not surprised that we align on a, on a lot of this stuff. Uh, it, it makes so much sense for Tresman Marshall to be the, the the guy and get the first crack and the first opportunity. And some fans might look at that differently and say, hey, you've brought in all this talent. The number one Juco defensive player in Justin Jefferson, you know, a top 100 recruit in Sean Murphy, a five star player in Jahad Campbell. They've been in your system. Well, Justin Jefferson hadn't, but the other two have for now, at least one year. You should give them the first opportunity because we don't want them as fans to transfer. But the problem is, think about it logically from Nick Saban's perspective. He wants to have another veteran presence in the group. I think that that's very important to him. And I think Tresman Marshall's ability and experience makes it to where if they want to leave Deontay Lawson at will, and let Marshall be kind of, I call him the green dot player, but that's an NFL term because they have the, the headset, but kind of be the, the green dot field general of the defense. They could eventually do that as long as he can pick up things quickly and become established. I mean, Henry Toto did, you know, he had no problem picking things up and he became that Mike backer. What did that do? It allowed Alabama to leave Christian Harris, who they liked more at the will spot where he can roam and do a lot of different things for you it allowed him to continue to do that. And so it's kind of a similar situation with Deontay Lawson, or it could be, but plus, you know, why did they go out and get him? You know, he can, he's coming in with the expectation that he's going to be able to, to compete and he's the likely starter. 
And, you know, it's going to happen. It's the transfer portal. Not everybody that you tell, say promise up a, a, an opportunity to compete is going to come in and win a starting job. That, that's just part of it. But the more Tyler Harrells that you have, where guys are kind of, you have this envisioned role, you sell them on it, a guy wastes his one and only transfer opportunity to come to your school, and then, you know, he ends up being it not working out that way. The more of those you got, the harder it is to sell players. You know, before it was before Eli Ricks and before Tyler Harrell, and Ricks eventually got things right. But before those two guys, it was like Jamison Williams comes in and becomes a star player. Henry Toto comes in and becomes a star player. Uh, you know, they had a lot of success from the transfer portal, and I think that that made them a more desirable destination for a lot of your high-profile transfers. And so, you know, Nick Saban's not asking this guy to come in to not give him every opportunity to become that guy. Uh, so I, I want people to keep that in mind as well. And then we'll also wrap up with this question. Do you think the lack of a, a true star last year along the defensive line and going into this upcoming season, aside from Otis possibly, is a result of misevaluations and misses in recruiting or lack of development? I believe it's a little of both and just some bad luck, especially with the 2019 defensive line class. And that comes from Hampton 18. Well, yeah, Hampton's a real bright, uh, astute follower, uh, like Absolutely. so many guys on our board, like Bamaloo and others. Um, well, here's how I answer that. Uh, I think all of it's true, except the lack of development part. I think Alabama does develop its its players on the defensive line pretty well. And again, uh, I ask this every time people want to get fired up about that issue. Uh, I ask, and it's like never answered. And I'm like, if Alabama is so disgraceful on the defensive line in terms of missing players and not developing them, then please list all of the defensive lines in college football better than Alabama's, and and, and hardly anyone ever does because you can't. Uh, there are better defensive lines than than Alabama's in college football. Clemson this past year clearly had the best. Uh, Ohio State's really good year to year. Georgia's about to produce the first pick in the draft, perhaps. Uh, on the defensive line for the second year in a row. But the list ends about right there. Uh, you know, uh, that's it. Um, now, does Alabama have Q again? Does that Alabama have Darius, uh, Sean, Jaron Reed? I I'm not sure about that. But in terms of why maybe it's not as good, uh, there are things that Alabama has to overcome when they recruit on the defensive line that a lot of fans don't don't like to accept. But it is a fact. And the fact is, Alabama is one of the few teams that run a three, four, you know, where, where the defensive lineman, it's a two gap scheme as opposed to a one gap scheme. Most college football teams don't most run a four, three, uh, fewer run the three, four in the NFL. It's the same. Most do run a four, three and fewer run a three, four for that reason alone. Other teams, negative recruiting Alabama, do make some headway with some kids. Don't play in that scheme. You're not going to play in it in the NFL. Uh, in two-gap, they want you just to get in the way of offensive linemen and control your gaps. You're not allowed to be a playmaker. I mean, now, that's what Alabama recruits against, and it does work on some kids. It's The problem's overstated, but it is real. I mean, that's a thing. Uh, secondly, defensive line are kind of the gold of, of recruiting. And now with NIL, I think if numbers were ever released, you would find that defensive linemen, the top guys, the five-star types, probably get a lot of NIL deals that other positions don't get. 
Uh, that's a factor that makes it difficult to sign the kids that you prioritize or want because you're having to overcome some NIL pitches from other schools. Uh, I think those are the issues. Uh, it's not development. Um, I, I think Alabama's defensive line, they come in top 100, four stars, and then they leave NFL prospects. Uh, there will be two more drafted this year in DJ Dale and Byron Young. Justin Aboigby would have been drafted had he not been hurt. That would have been three. Who has more than three defensive linemen taken in the draft? No, nobody, really, nobody. So I don't think that the defensive line is the problem that some want to harp on and insist upon. Is it as good as it's ever been at Alabama? No, 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 because there isn't a cue. There isn't a Marcel Darius. I admit that. That's certainly true. You got to hope that something like that comes along. And by the way, Jaheim Otis might be that guy. Deron Payne today was franchise, uh, you know, tagged by the by the commanders, and he's going to make $19 million this season. Jaheim Otis is on the Deron Payne track. Now, he might not get there, but Otis is on that track. It's hard to argue Otis isn't a big star when he's an immediate true freshman starter who's on track to be a first-round pick in two years. So, again, I, I get kind of, as you can tell, a little fired up about it just because I think I think people – I'm not saying it's a mountain out of a molehill. I agree it's an issue, and I agree Alabama has to overcome some stuff on the recruiting trail that hurts Alabama at that position a little bit. But the end result is, again, I ask for any big critic of whether it's Coach Roach or Alabama's defensive line recruiting, just – help educate me you list who's doing a better job and i'll admit clemson maybe georgia maybe ohio state maybe sure i get that boy you go beyond that you're gonna have to sell me that alabama's beyond the fourth or fifth best defensive line program in the entire sport there's 130 teams out there you know you look at miles murphy five star coming out of high school you look at brian breezy five-star, you know, number one overall player coming out of high school. Uh, you know, it, it's just, I think with Alabama, it, it's like you said, you have disruptive defensive fronts, defensive lines, and then you've got, and I really describe those as penetrators. You've got penetrators and you've got controllers, right? It's like a lot of Alabama's defensive front, it, they're asked to control the line of scrimmage. They're asked to control the offensive linemen. In other defensive schemes, they're asked to penetrate, you know, be very disruptive, get in the backfield. Now, here's the thing. In years past, a Jonathan Allen type of player, a Deron Payne type of player, those guys were able to do both very effectively. They could be the disruptor on top of being able to control the line of scrimmage. And so you could kind of get flexible with, with them and how you use them. The Those were five-star prospects coming out of high school. You know, Alabama hadn't recruited the five stars at, at the same rate because, you know, you have to be one of those guys and you don't get as many opportunities to be, quote, unquote, the disruptor, you know, and you'll look your way into a Quinn Williams who, you know, was not ranked as high and, and he turns into that guy or a Marcel Darius. But at the same time, you know, the, the Justin Aboibis of the world, the Byron Youngs, the DJ Dells, they're judged and ranked based off of their ability to control the line of scrimmage. They're not really known as a disruptive defensive lineman. So it's not like they've gotten these, these top 100 prospects and they've, they've come in and they've, they've become bust. What they were, were ranked, you know, the whole reason they were ranked as high as they were, they fulfilled that. They became that. And, and they're good players. They're just a different style. I think with Alabama wanting to 
move more towards a four-man front, which I personally think, and I think that's going to take time. I don't think that they'll ever be listed as a uh, a 4-3 defense on the depth chart, but just, you know, you look at James Smith, he is one of those caliber of players who can two-gap and, and control the line of scrimmage, but he's also disruptive. You know, you've built your defense around edge rushers like Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell, and you got Keon Keeley coming in. It's just, it's a different style of defense, Jimmy, and I don't think uh, enough people realize that. Well, I, I do think that people want their, they, they want their cake and to eat it too, which sounds like a good idea, frankly, because I don't want a cake just sit there. I want to eat it too. I mean, we all, we all want to eat the cake and not just stare at it. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, well, Bam's like, well, can't we go back to having Q Williams and, 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 and th- those type guys? Well, what if I told you, okay, but now you're not going to land Keon Keeley. You know, you, you can't really just sign five stars at every single spot and expect disruptive play at every single spot. I think Alabama's emphasis on the edge has led to the incredible recruiting of that spot where, I mean, it's incredible what's on the bench at Alabama right now, at outside linebacker. When you're talking about Jeremiah Alexander, even a Keanu Coat, uh, Keon Keeley coming in as a true freshman, Yonze Pierre. I mean, these guys will be playing right away almost anywhere, but at Alabama, you kind of have to get in line at that spot. And, and, and in part, it's because of how Alabama's playing. You know, if, if you want to go back to, or, you know, if you, if you want to be more disruptive in that defensive line group, maybe you're not recruiting quite as well on the edge. But, you know, people, of course, want to sign, like I said, 11 five-stars on defense. That's what they want. Uh, I get that. I would like to see that, too. It's just very difficult. Uh, but I, I think there's an emphasis on the edge at Alabama, and that's why Alabama is literally stockpiling five-stars at that spot, whereas the defensive line kind of right in the recent passes tend to be a lot of four-stars. Uh, I, I would just say that the end result has still been very, very good. And I believe this upcoming fall, Clint, Alabama once again is going to be very solid in the defensive line. Will it be the best one they've ever had? Of course not. Well, is 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 a Boyd B and Tim Smith uh, going to be first round picks? No, no, they won't be. Uh, Otis might be in a, in another year or so. But Burroughs is a good player. Payne's a good player. Latham is a good player. They're all going to be out there, and it's going to be a. a, a a large group in terms of the number of players playing snaps with the first team, and they're all good players. Well, and, you know, a lot of Will Anderson's success, granted, you know, he's successful no matter how you use him, but a lot of his pass rushing success were on twists and stunts. Like when you watch Alabama's fronts, you know, they get those defensive linemen, you know, moving, and they really try to confuse and attack offensive lines in a way that will present opportunities, particularly for the edge rusher. Because if you're one of those interior guys – and you're going on a twist or a stunt outside, do you think you're going to stunt or slant outside and you're going to be able to bend the edge and, and still get a sack? I mean, it's really creating opportunities for your edge rushers. You can do different things and create more opportunities for your interior guys, but the way that Alabama schemes things up defensively in a very simplistic way of putting it, they present opportunities for their outside linebackers. Doesn't mean that your defensive lineman can't be disruptive. You know, if they've got those traits and they can do that, which I think you know, they do have some of those guys, you know, it's about, you know, development, but I mean, you're not going to go find me, go find me a defensive lineman that stuck around at Alabama. That was, you know, you can read his little scouting report that, you know, 24 seven or on three or whoever, 
puts up for him and 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 go show me somebody that was like this guy's extremely disruptive he's a disruptive type of defensive lineman that Alabama has gotten and that guy didn't become a disruptor like you know I think if you read the scouting reports for for Byron Young coming out of high school and Justin Aboyby and all these different guys it's like you know they're good defensive linemen they control the line of scrimmage they're they're stout at the point of attack all those different things it's Alabama knew what they were getting in them and they knew that they weren't getting superstars more than likely but you know, I think that the guys like uh, James Smith, he has disruptive traits. If he all, if he only ever becomes a just a, a another guy, you know, a good not great defensive lineman, okay, you, I mean, you might have a problem. But I think Alabama's gotten out of its defensive line what it wanted to get out of it, so I don't think it's a big issue. Um, Jimmy, do you, we only got a minute and a half left? But do you have anything else before we hop off here? No, just great questions. Y'all keep them coming. Clint and I are going to do the show every week, and and, and we think what makes the show work. Is, uh, is those questions. The, the quality of questions we get and the quality of discussion on our message board is extremely high. I, for those that read multiple boards, uh, I challenge you, we, we, we do have the highest level of discussion out there, the highest level of discourse, because we have a lot of really football smart subscribers at Bama Insider. We 100% do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if you haven't already jumped on board, certainly go do that. $29.99 will get you all the way to football season. Or you can go nine ninety nine a month and try us out. I certainly don't think you're going to be disappointed with the recruiting coverage that you're going to get from Andrew Bone and Joseph Hastings. The message board presence from Jimmy does a phenomenal job, and then I try to do my best handling all the team stuff that I possibly can. But it, it's a fun, fun ride for all of us. Um, we know the subscribers seem to have a good time, and we always try to, you know, interact and answer as many questions as we possibly can. And so, Jimmy, as always, I appreciate you hopping on here with me, brother. And we will do this again next week. Once again, this is the Bam on 3 Show, and I'm your host, Clint Lamb.